You're listening to a Roddenberry Podcast. It's 7 p.m. Pacific Time and 10 p.m. Eastern Time on Earth, where our assignment for tonight is Mission Log Live. I'm one of your co-supervisors, Norman Lau. I'm your other co-supervisor, Holly Amos. Not to be mixed up with Holly Eva. (laughs) Uh, Tonight, we're back to discuss Star Trek Picard Season 2, Episode 5, Fly Me to the Moon. And as always, with you, our lovely chat room, friends and fans. Mm -hmm. We know you have all of the things to say. So, you know, give us a call. Click the Zoom link, one tap from your smartphone, or 669-900-6833, and then you have to enter the meeting code, and then you'll be in the Earl Greener. And I know there are going to be a lot of people here. A lot of people love talking about what's happening with Picard. We do. We certainly do. Uh, so as all of you are lining up to get into the Earl Green Room, uh, let's see who's uh, with us tonight in the chat. Am I allowed to embarrass your dad tonight? Yeah. <laughs> do I have permission? Yeah. So, uh, you know, he's... There first. Bob Amos is there first. But also, happy birthday, Bob Amos. If you weren't first, I would give you a golden ticket to the front of the line. Uh, Vice Admiral, good to see you. Jane, hello, Jane. Hello, Evelyn. Uh, hi, Rhea. I'm sorry. I'm not going to get to see you next week. You're probably going to get to see her next week or this weekend. This coming up weekend is Chicago. Uh, Star Trek mission in Chicago. So that's going to be fantastic. I'm leaving on Thursday. Everybody eat a slice of Lou Malnati's for all of us who aren't going to be able to be there with you. Uh, let's see here. One of, one of the Pauls. We have one Paul. Uh, hello, Sandy. Hello, Carrie. Uh, John Arminio, good to see you. David, uh, always glad to have you here. Carlos um, and uh, Tate. Alan, thanks everyone for being here. Is that another Paul or is that two? Was that, did I see Paul Harveth and Paul Dubs? I'm going to say yes. Hello, Dom. Hi, Dom. Good to see you. Uh, yeah. So uh, glad to have everyone here. Always. Always glad to have everyone here on Mission Log Live, and thank you for taking the time to be with us tonight uh, to talk about Picard, Episode 5, Fly Me to the Moon. I had to yeah. do that, right? Because that's the name of the episode. I mean, it's a pretty deep cut because it's named that because it's like the song playing in the background of the party at the end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it would have been really cool if James Darren sang it like in the party at the end, just for kicks, right? Because that would have been meta. That would have been so meta. It would have been very meta. Well, we have a busy week uh, here at Mission Log. Uh, We have a lot of new releases coming up this week. Uh, So our standard Mission Log, we're going to have Voyager uh, with the episode The Cloud, not the one where O'Brien yells out the cloud. We know that cloud, right? Now, this is the other cloud, not a Bajoran kind of fake kind of godlike cloud. So it's kind of like the immunity syndrome like meets Voyager, this yeah. version, you know, mm-hmm. so essentially that's it. That's, that's, that's the synopsis. So enjoy the rest of the podcast on that one. <laughs> and uh, don't forget, uh, we released uh, recently that we had a Mission Log Prodigy supplemental with Ashley and myself talking about episodes six through 10 from the adult or the, the older cadets perspective. And that was always fun. And uh, in- here's interesting enough and exciting news. Uh, in a couple of days, Prodigy is going to be released in the UK. So, oh, is it? Oh, I didn't yes. see that. Yeah, that was uh, tweeted out. Um, I believe it was by Trek News or Trek News Central. 
So yeah, that's going to be happening in the next few days. So the UK audience is finally going to get to see Prodigy, which is oh, great. Be amazing. They can join the, the general discussion on that. And then Mission Log, the Orville returns with the penultimate episode of season two, tomorrow, tomorrow, and tomorrow. Did I see that Seth MacFarlane tweeted about it? Yes, you did. Thank you very much for bringing that up. And, <laughs> and yes, we did get an, an acknowledgement uh, for Captain Mike and Jessica Lindberry's hard work and all their dedication that they bring to Mission Log the Orville. That was recognized by Seth on Twitter, which was fantastic. A great boon to their show and to the Roddenberry Podcast Network. And if you haven't caught up with that, or if you haven't caught up with episodes of Mission Log Engage. That's the show where John and I engage with your comments. Make sure that you visit the Roddenberry YouTube channel, Roddenberry Entertainment on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to those shows. Make sure you hit the like and share buttons to share those with people that you think would like to hear our material. And then you'll know when new show, the new shows drop, always stay in touch with us at podcasts.roddenberry.com where all our shows are listed. So yeah, um, lots of stuff going on with Mission Log. Uh, it's going to be great to have a lot of people represent and say, um, you know, say, say hi to uh, us from the convention, you know, on social media, please make sure that you share like all your pictures and all your food and all of that discussion. And especially on the Mission Log Discord on Patreon, uh, where you can find like all those conversations happening. Mission Log, uh, um, patreon.com slash mission log. That's where you're going to find all that good stuff. So we have a pretty robust episode here to talk about, Holly, mm-hmm. for a variety of different reasons. So let's jump into the recap. And very, uh, this is a very long recap. You think it's long? I think it's, it's longer than the last few, but that's because a lot's going on. There's like three different storylines happening at the same time. So, well, it, it's like 30 point font, like double spaced, like double lined. <laughs> so. I'm trying, I'm cheating it. I get paid by the word, right? So here we go. Star Trek Picard season two, episode five, fly me to the moon. Jean-Luc and the mysterious woman who looks identically like Laris materialize in her apartment somewhere in Los Angeles. She reveals herself as Talon, whose sole profession is to watch her one assignment on earth. In this case, Rene Picard, Jean-Luc's ancestor, and perhaps the key to the divergence in the timeline Elsewhere, Renee is struggling with her own problems as her test flight simulations end not only in disaster, but perhaps caused by something darker and more emotionally disturbing. Unless Serena, the board queen, hacks the local French national police networks and calls for help. Meanwhile, outside of Los Angeles, Rafi and Seven bust Rios out of his ice prison transport. Rafi is still haunted by Elnor's death and thought she saw him amidst the prisoners, but has been reminded by Seven all this time that her crusade to bring him back may have been affecting her usually solid tactical judgment. In Talon's apartment, Picard recalls that James T. Kirk also once had a run-in with a supervisor named Gary, who also was responsible for protecting the natural course of human history. Talon explains to Picard that Renee is beyond gifted and is meant to achieve greatness, as proven from her childhood to now, a destiny which has led her to pilot the Europa mission launch if she doesn't lose confidence in herself. Talon and Jean-Luc secretly watch Renee's most recent evaluation, one where it sounds like she's being maneuvered into doubting her capabilities. When Picard demands to see the face of her counselor, he is enraged to discover that it is Q, and perhaps this is the moment when time is altered. Elsewhere in Los Angeles, Dr. Adam Sung pleads his case regarding his research into the human genome to what appears to be a tribunal of his peers. They deem his research and methods to be extremist, dangerous, and illegally funded, and terminate any future funding, which in turn jeopardizes any further research to find a cure for his daughter, Cor. Is it Corey or Cor? 
It's Cora, right? It's Cora. That's what I thought. Who suffers from a rare illness which prevents her from ever walking outdoors in natural air and sunlight. However, when all appears to be lost, a strange computer message and an even stranger 3D printed card entices Sung to contact Q. Shortly after Chateau was searched by a lone police officer, he stumbles upon La Serena and is captured by the Borg Queen, who is then killed by Agnes before allowing the police officer to suffer a worse fate than death. Back in Los Angeles, Sung meets with Q in a public diner where he makes it very clear that he will suffer no fools or crackpots or celebrities who want their clones, clones of their cats. But Q hands Sung a mysterious vial, which he describes as the cure-all to Kor's ailments. And if Adam wants more, all he needs to do is ask because Q has something he wants in return. On La Serena, Agnes beams back most of the way team as Rio, Seven, and Rafi all make it back safely, only to find Agnes covered in blood, explaining away that she had to kill the Borg Queen to save an innocent life. Shortly after, Picard and Talon also return to La Serena and catch up with everyone on what they believe is the reason why they are here, to make sure that Renee makes it onto the Europa mission launch in three days. In Sung's lab, he's confirmed that Q's serum is legitimate and allows Kor to inject herself with it. After removing her protective force field, she remains unharmed, even goes for a swim, something she's been dreaming of doing. But her protection is only temporary, and after returning Kor back to her protective chamber, Sung knows he has only one option left. After contacting Q, after their quid pro quo, Q asks Sung if he has ever heard the name Picard. In the Chateau, Jean-Luc and his crew, along with Talon, all realize what is at stake concerning Rene Picard. Their mission, should they choose to accept it, is to make sure that Rene pilots her upcoming Europa mission. If she does, Picard believes the timeline will return to normal. However, protecting her out in the open without being noticed will not be easy, starting with a maximum security gala, level gala ball, which she will be attending. However, after attacking the tech to break in into the ball was easy for Agnes, who studied antique coding in school. With that, she hacks into the security system, creates her alias, and literally walks through the security checkpoint, only to be caught later for acting suspicious. However, this was all according to plan, as the Borg Queen applauds as she peers uh, beside Agnes as an apparition. A reminder that earlier before, when Agnes gunned her down to save the police officer, that in a brief moment, the Queen and Agnes shared a literal connection and now, for good or ill, are inseparable and will never be alone. The end. It's a pretty Lots good, stuff. yeah. It's a, and it was a great way to end the episode too. I feel like they're doing, they're, they're doing a really good job at keeping me. Oh, I'm sorry if you guys can hear. That's a Borg baby. That's a Borg baby. That's my neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there is a child being assimilated next door. Um, I feel like they're doing a really good job at like. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I should call them cliffhangers. Because, like, we only have to wait, you know, not a cliffhanger in terms of, like, the best of both worlds. You had to wait three months to figure it out. But Rarely things are. It, it, it's enough but. of a cliffhanger hanger for me to be like, oh, I'm going to watch it immediately mm-hmm. when it comes out, which is not always the case. Sometimes I have to wait a couple of days and then sometimes I get spoiled. So, but- I, it, you know, in the in the cold open, there are a lot of snippets and the snippets kind of like they, they help kind of like foreshadow what's happening in the episode. But one of the things that really caught my attention was that really big hologram of, I can't remember which song it was, but Hey, all the songs are in Picard. So just pick one. Right. So, but it was Sung's voice saying that a safe galaxy is a human galaxy. Oh, that's Adam. Is that Adam? Yes, it is. Okay. So Dr. Adam Sung. something was obviously. Yeah. So what I find interesting about this is that, 
you know, with the introduction of Renee Picard, who we saw at the end of the last episode, but she she wasn't named, but we knew that she was going to have something to do with everything because she v- basically appeared across the way from Q. Right. Um, the beginning of this episode, I was like, oh, it's going to have to do it's going to have to do with Renee. And all, clearly she is related to Jean-Luc. But bringing in the Soong part of this and why everything has to revolve around the Soong family dynasty, I'm not sure on the Soongs are turning a little bit into the Michael Burnham situation, but um, well, the Skywalkers, you know, everything yeah, is connected to the Skywalkers. Everything is connected Wars. to them. Yeah. But now I'm I'm interested is like it's it doesn't seem so clear cut, right? Because is is Picard, Renee Picard a red herring? Is like the is the interruption more have to do with the Soongs or is it the other way around? And like, because Picard is Picard and crew are completely unaware of the situation with Soong right now. Right. Like they have no idea that Q's also messing around over there. And like Q clearly has a plan, but we don't know what that is yet. Right. Is one a red herring. There are a lot of things, you know, that are affecting the timeline. And, and one of the things that um, I like is that they're acknowledging that please don't, you know, leave any fingerprints behind. Please don't alter the timeline. Please don't affect it in any way possible. When they busted Rios out of the bus, they let all those prisoners go who are supposed to be on the bus. <laughs> I don't know if that affects the timeline or not, but I'm pretty sure that that is kind of a fingerprint. Well, sure. And also right? the police officer who was not killed and not assimilated, and we don't know what's going to happen to him. But if he does die, even if he doesn't die, this is going to affect the timeline because he's going to be talking about this for the rest of his life. And if he does die, like that definitely affects like children might not exist as a result of that. Relationships clearly won't exist as a like they're they're not doing very good at avoiding the butterflies. I'm getting to see photographs like somewhere like in the story, like start to like have people just start to disappear from the photographs, a la like the Back to the Future stuff. Because Leah, you know, Leah Thompson is directing these, you know, or at least that's uh, directed, like, Leah the Thompson. Last few. Was in and, this episode, in this yeah. and Frakes directed this episode. Oh, well, Frakes directed this one. She directed yeah. the, the. She directed the last one, right? yeah, yeah. two, yeah. But someone's going to disappear in a in a photo. Do you think she's like on the set talking about like time travel and the the laws of time travel? Um, it would be great if you could share some stories about that. Let's see if we can get her <laughs> on the show. All right, let's let's talk about like the big um, obvious plug, if it is a plug, because. It could be. It could be a soft plug. It could be some type of like soft entry point for Assignment Earth Part Du, you know, 21st century. I mean, the, there are some heavy references going on to, you know, the season, the, the original series season two finale, Assignment Earth. Which was, could have been a spinoff if Gene had gotten his way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, a, that was the Assignment Earth was originally supposed to be a spinoff. And that was largely because star trek was being like that was when they were fighting with the network to not get it canceled or to not have it canceled um so yeah this is sort of yeah like a a soft expansion on what would have been a spinoff in the 60s i mean the, the references are pretty on the nose i mean these aren't subtle references i mean john Luke picard references kirk who references gary yep the technology of uh, of of Talon's transporter effect is is very similar, similar. again to what her you saw. Apartment also the setup of her apartment reminds me of it's like a modernized version of yeah. of Gary's mm-hmm. office yeah. and apartment. Um, just they're just they're there. They're 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 available for the public discussion. Make of it what you will. What do you think, Chat? Do you think that that's what they're going with this? Do you think that's possibly one of the spinoff projects that we have for 
you know, Kurtzman's next, you know, expansion of, of the franchise in a way. Uh, is that a good or a bad thing? Who knows? It could be a great thing. It just could be something that maybe should not be explored. Who knows? Um, if we don't have any other points just to get to you like me, uh, right now, Holly, I'd like to jump into our first caller. Yeah, bring him in. I mean, I have several other points, but I don't want to run into everything that our callers want to comment on. Right. We may uh, come up with some of those points organically, uh, with, uh, especially with our first caller, Vice Admiral. How are you doing, my man? Hi, Norm. Hi, Holly. How are hey. you guys Hi. doing tonight? Good. How are you? Always good. Hey. Always good, especially when I'm here to able to talk to you guys. Oh, you're but- sweet. <sighs> But I will say you're 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 both touching on some of the more salient points that that aren't the ones that most folks on the review side are talking about. For example, is Renee not supposed to be on the mission? Maybe is Q doing that? But more importantly, here's what I think may happen. We have downplayed entirely the fact that Picard is in a synthetic body. But we mm-hmm. saw from the previews, and I don't want this to be a spoiler if you haven't seen the preview for next week's episode, but I'm sure most of us have. He's going to get injured. Mm-hmm. And what if the person who ends up somewhere near him when there's some kind of scanning of that physiology happens is a Sung? I mean, we don't even know why Adam Sung decided to go Earth first style stuff, but maybe. Yeah, that's, there's, a, there's a gap in that logic, right? Unless he thinks here's an alien on Earth trying to disrupt the Europa mission or do something about it. Yeah, I'm, I mean, clearly there's a connection, and that's why Q is messing with both sides of this. I, I, I do feel like Renee is supposed to be on the mission, as opposed to what you said is a theory that she's not supposed to be on the mission. Um, simply from the standpoint of Picard ha- uh, made a comment about, we don't know much about her except that she found something on Europa that no she... no 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 hang on I'm, I don't mean to interrupt but she didn't find something on Europa Picard says she found something on Io on Io you're right Io mm-hmm. was is a Jupiter moon yeah right right so they don't okay yeah so they don't know whether or not is it not I guess it's not in you would think that when he first heard that 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 the watcher was there to watch Renee and when when he said you know what he said, he would have said, oh, yes, she was on that mission. He didn't say that. He right, has already said assuming, that the history is all muddy. We're assuming two years from now that they're still keep NASA still keeping pretty good records, right? Like they keep sure. pretty good records right now. <laughs> sure. But he did say that the records from this period are all messed up. I assume World War Three had something to do with that. Right. Right. Colonel Green, all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. Also, uh, there is a possibility that maybe it's the other way around, that she's not supposed to be on the mission. That's what I'm thinking. And Picard's interference is why she is. And then something happens. And that's why when they first got there, Q said, show them a world of their own making. And right. Oh, yeah. that's so. that would be so rude of him to be like, oh, I changed something. But then basically the only thing is, is he manipulated him to think that there was a change and he ends up making the change. Classic. That's it's very, very, Q, though, it's very it? Seinfeld it track, don't you think? You know, it's kind of like telling George to tell Jerry something, and then Jerry ends up <laughs> like telling Elaine something, and then everyone's kind of like working against each other. And at the end, it's because of Kramer, right? So it's <laughs> I mean, yes, it's, yes, yes, yes. I mean, it is fun, but it is kind of like everyone's getting played at least right now, you know. And like, who started it? Does it really matter? You know, um, 
where is this all going to like, where is this all eventually going to converge and why that's like, that's kind of like, I think that's where I'm still interested in the story. Like where are all of these kind of like these, um, these threes company kind of moments, like where are they all going to converge? You know, when you overhear, it's like, you know, when Mr. Roper overhears something and he's like, what, you know, when they right. starts like, you know, doing something over here and starts talking to like Janet, I'm, I know I'm going all over the board and I'm, I'm terrible. Like so this. many different TV show references right now. Right? But what but I'm talking okay. about is like misunderstandings, like these grave misunderstandings where everyone thinks that they're doing the right thing. Their intentions are in the right place, but they're, <laughs> they're all for the wrong reason, even though they think they're for the right reason. And maybe it's because Q's like, yeah, this is going to be fun. Well, that's because they're all lacking information or context, which is what we're lacking right now. What is right. the, Where are all the connections? We've right. seen a bunch of random events that all seem to be pointing in one direction, but I have a feeling we're going to find out they're pointing in a very different direction. I just hope that somewhere along the line, we're not going to be stumbling into kind of like a transparent aluminum scenario where everything from the future affects the past so that that technology affects the future and you turn into that cycle. Right. But then again, all of a sudden, you know, someone could say like, well, how do you know that soon didn't invented the thing? But what if soon did invent the thing and it's called Questor? Oh my God. That would be amazing. (laughs) Hey, let's go back to spinoffs. Let's do a Simon earth. Let's do Questor tapes. Let's do it all, man. I agree. Right. That that would be amazing because it's never been explored in that way, in, in a modern way. Right. Right. And now we have a better effects budget to do it. And I mean, if we're, if we're, we're dragging up assignment earth, which I would love to see as a show, let's do that one too. Yep, let's bring us our United States version of the Sonic screwdriver. Yeah. I said it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> I Please. said it. <laughs> yeah. Her uh, device was yeah. much, much bigger than Gary's was, wasn't it? I, I would say yes. But I assume that that's simply because, uh, they want something that looks more weapon-like. Well, it's it's yeah, it's it's a little bit less subtle for the screen. Yeah, exactly. Which most like production is nowadays. You know, you got to have that nice big, bold screen presence. You know, for some of these you know great practical effects for props. Mm-hmm. Um, so, where do you think this is going, Vice Admiral? I mean, like, like conjecture-wise, you know, no spoilers. You know, no, uh, not talking about the previews or anything like that. But where do you want it to go? Where I want it to go is yeah. for Q to actually have been there to try to protect the only person he cares about, John Luke Picard. And somehow the Q continuum has said, no, you're not allowed to, which is why we took your powers away. You're not allowed to help him. He did something bad. You can't help him. But he's trying to anyway. And we find out that really in the end of the day, Q has found that humanity is okay. You think the Q's going to end up being a good guy? Good guy, no, but not as bad as he could be. Okay, <laughs> that's fair. Do you, think, do you think his snap, uh, his ineffective snap or ineffectual snap, is his power being removed or his power having been drained? I would have thought prior to this week's episode that it might have been drained, but when Picard asked the supervisor and and mentioned the Q and. That supervisor had no idea who the Q are, right. which was also very strange. Yeah. Then I, I'm like, who else would be involved? Who's the other player then if it's not them? Right. They, we, we already know they're amazingly powerful. 
Well, she's also asking, you know, the same types of questions that I think fan has. So I think in a way it was a little bit of a fan service. They're having a conversation in her apartment. And he, she was like, if you want to interrupt the timeline, why doesn't he just snap the Europa existent, the Europa right. mission just, out of existence? Well, I think or, he tried to, right? Or, right. Because later in the episode, like we see him, it's not working. And then in this episode, he tells Adam Soong that he has certain limitations. And we're like, I don't. What are your limitations yeah, he, and why? He and time aren't getting along with something like the line. But the first time we saw them interact, the Renee and Q, it looked like he was going to snap her away and then he couldn't. Right. right. So, this is outside of Jackson Roy Kirk Plaza, right? When, yes. yes. Where if you didn't see the quote on that, on that bust, it's the singularity will occur when machine intelligence is smarter than us. And frankly, I can't wait. <laughs> Uh, i am nomad so okay yeah yeah, right um one last thing to get to uh vice admiral before we let you go and get on to our next caller Mm -hmm. um anything you'd like to say one last i would say salmon salmon fish that's good i love it Uh, i love it grilled i love it blackened i love it over uh, salad Uh, i love it slightly rare uh so that it cooks on the plate um giving it the 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 most like medium rareness possible that's how i like mine prepared i don't oh and uh i don't eat fish can i just say that i liked the i I don't eat i i don't either but i you know salmon because hey happy first contact day tomorrow (laughs) true enough (laughs) first contact that's right we're on first contact eve we are all right, right, guys. Fantastic. It's Thanks always so much. Lovely to talk to you. Talk to you both soon. Have Take a care. wonderful night. Take care. Thanks, you too. All righty. Uh, we are up with Paul. Hello, Paul. Greetings, all. That was, and this uh, time, uh, Holly did not like, she did not lead in I know. A, any kind of d- a debate to set you up. I know. We got to create one. All right. Uh, well, hold, let me look at my notes and see if there's anything that is catastrophic here that I can fight with you about. Oh, we'll, we'll arm wrestle in Chicago. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I agree that Rios is so hot. Oh yeah, because he, he is. <laughs> Rio is so hot. Wow. You- no, uh, come on. The, the 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 big controversy is where does Gerardi find that dress and a lipstick to match? I mean, if you can't even power the, the ship to keep it warm, that that to me, wow. That was that, that in some some closet or like? <laughs> Did she steal it? Clearly was couldn't it? replicate it. I, I, um, it was in the back of the TARDIS, Paul. Rhea, way, back, way back in the TARDIS. Mission Log Rhea, um, just put on her Facebook page, Gerardi's lipstick exclamation. I thought it, the, that, can't you see John Champion standing there with a martini in that party? <laughs> yeah. Did, didn't we? I, I was wondering if John Champion was actually there. And we just, it's just, it was written for him. I just think it's amazing. I guess I wasn't um, really paying attention to her dress and her lipstick because I was so excited by what her name was. Gerardi? Her fake name. On her ID. Yeah, On what was ID? it? I, I missed it. Her name's Holly. <laughs> okay. This is, this is fact. Her awesome. name is Holly Eva Visser. Holly Eva Visser. She was and we're trying to figure out if this San is San Francisco in 1989. She still she must have robbed it from her, right? The dress, the whole deal. She's sorry. Right. Just her, you know. Uh, anyway, the discussion you just had about Q, did he lose his powers uh, to affect the young Picard simply because she is being protected? She has ah. the supervisor. 
So right. he seems to be able to create these things that Sung needs. Why, mm-hmm. why all of a sudden is it just her? And the logical, to me, the logical reason would be that this supervisor has powers that we don't know about. It's also possible that she doesn't know who the Q are because they don't even matter to them. Could be. I mean, you know, like uh, like ants, like uh, in Babylon. Remember in Babylon five, Paul, when Jakar was talking about the ant and when the ant looks up at something that's godlike, they're like, what is that? And then the God looks up at something more powerful to them and they say, what is that? <laughs> you know, everything is a matter of scale and perspective and relativity when it comes to power. Yeah, so, absolutely. The, like the, the flat beings in next gen when they didn't even know this, they just kept bumping into the thing, whatever it was, same right. kind of deal. Right. Right. So everything is just in terms of relative scales of power. I mean, they, who knows? It could be the milk oceans would be cool. Right. What it, so I'm still stuck on this thing. Uh, first of all, shout out to Norman for this whole uh, board queen becoming Jurati back and forth. I think this is lining up for you having the giant win there. I, I'm still trying to figure out, can Q exist in multiple timelines? Can the same Q exist in multiple timelines? Because I'm trying to figure out, is this Q the one that Picard told- had a conversation with? Yeah. I, I'm trying to figure out how this is playing. Is he Picard's Q, male Picard's Q, or is he a past Q trying to affect the future? So I keep coming to the conclusion there's only one Q, but it's it's fascinating if you you know you try to try to put that in perspective. That's the mind-bending one on this. I just love this. This whole episode was all so all time amazing. travel is mind-bending, man. Yeah, it's awesome. It. It and all awesome. good things. It, I mean, he was able to basically traverse, you know, all the way to the primordial past, all the way right. to the, 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 the most, you know, the, the furthest extremist of the TNG timeline, all in the same, in the span of his own existence. So it's, it's just whenever he wants to be in that part of time, right? Yeah. And he takes his customer with him. He can. Now, whether yeah. he chooses to, he made Picard come back via his own way. So it, this is so intriguing. I just think yeah. it's it's yeah. I think it's I think it's one Q too because now that you bring up the you know the the last episode where he's you know taken back to like the primordial ooze. Do you remember? He's like, oh look, the first stages of life are about to begin, and oh, nothing happened. So he is capable of like showing, going back in time, being the same Q, showing uh something. If something doesn't happen, these are the these are the results or the the fallout, I guess, from from things not happening in the right sequence. So we've we sort of already had a co- seen a conversation about this with Q in, in sort the of. last episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, hey, let's put it, um, can can I put a pin in this, Paul? Uh, Paul, I want to keep you on the on the phone for a second, but I want to tell you about something really important. <laughs> Very I tell important. You about something really like really important, like hashtag important. Yes, right? because if you want to win a copy of the Star Trek Picard audio drama No Man's Land. All you have to do is post our hashtag Mission Log Live and the book title No Man's Land, and we will announce a winner for that book on the show, like we're doing for tonight, every Monday for the next few weeks now, because we started this a few weeks ago. We only have, I believe, three weeks left, and we have another winner picked for tonight. But before we announce our winner for this contest, Holly, our co-supervisor for tonight, is going to tell you a little more about this audiobook. Yeah, so No Man's Land, I'm listening to it right now. I think I'm going to finish it on the flight to Chicago. But it takes place between seasons one and two of Picard. It's Seven of Nine and Rafi, um, and they have to help out a vicious Romulan warlord. Um, 
we sort of get to see things that are happening between those two characters. Fully dramatized Star Trek adventure written and produced exclusively for audio. So it has all the sound effects. The sound effects are great, you guys. It's mm-hmm. like a radio drama. It's so good. Uh, it is the work of Kirsten Beyer, who's co-creator, writer, and producer for Picard, and Mike Johnson, who is a veteran contributor to the Star Trek comic book publishing program at IDW, and maybe, perhaps, we will have a conversation with them soon. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, of course, Jerry Ryan uh, does Seven of Nine, and Michelle Hurd is Rafi, and they are have have several other people that join them, including Fred Tattashore, who many of you know as Lieutenant Shax from Lower Decks. And uh, it's published with full support and participation of Star Trek, CBS, and Paramount. Yay! So, drum roll in your head. There we go. You know what? You know what it sounds like. Our winner for tonight is at Junsekyo Guide or Guida. We're not exactly sure how to pronounce that. We're not sure. I went to high school with a brother and sister whose last name is spelled that way, but they pronounce it Guidi. So, Guide Guidi. Congratulations, either way. Congratulations. We spelled it right, I'm pretty sure, because we took that right from Twitter. And if you mm-hmm. want to follow us on Twitter, please do so at Mission Log Pod. Use the hashtag Mission Log Live for your chance to win a copy of No Man's Land here on Mission Log Live. We'll announce the next winner next week. And don't forget that you can enter every week. That's right. You can Continue enter, to enter every week. So do that. Yes. Uh, here's the great thing about this book. So all of the great scenes that we're having with Rafi and Seven, you know, trying to bust out Rios in the car, all of that is just an extension of what happened previously that's happening in this book Uh uh-huh you're just going to get more of that which is amazing and them so which is also amazing so which is fantastic so you should do that make sure you get that hashtag out there all right so um unpause paul harvard i can't remember what we were talking about (laughs) we were talking about uh q uh q and the oh yeah timelines well i think that was the end of that portion of the conversation it was end of my point anyway (laughs) yeah so can you imagine having Q as a therapist? That was, cr- I mean, do we, I, I felt that that was going to be the case because Q is just really kind of trolling Picard at like every turn. And if it's going to be a Picard's ancestor, Q is going to be like right in there manipulating somebody. Right. Why does he have to be channeling Freud though? Is that a little bit on the nose? <laughs> it's too creepy. Wasn't it? Oh my word. That was um, like yeah. Freud is, we know who Freud is in this timeline because he's still in the past. Is she not like, this is a little bit weird. You're a little bit too on the nose Freud status. We missed an opportunity at a great title for an episode. Q Freud. Oh no. Don't give him those ideas. It's going to happen now. Done. Sorry, Alan took your steam. You know, the, 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 the writer's cart cap is coming out. I hear, I feel it time for me to uh, leave my cue calling card <laughs> on your 3d printer. How many yeah. of those things are going to, are going to be sold out there? Seriously. Like somebody, did like, you guys call the number? Those, right. Did oh, you guys no. call it? What is it? Is it? It's, is it it's, it's a working number. It's not a five, five, five nonsense. It's a, it's an LA based number. You can call it. Yeah. Oh, is it, is if it you, uh, 10 forward? That'd be cool. No, call, it's, it's call the number. It's Q's voicemail. And remember, oh my word, the number awesome. is eight six seven five three zero nine. Remember, <laughs> still eight six seven five three zero nine. Jenny will take your call. <laughs> who do you turn to? That's who I would turn to. In this Jenny situation. is Q's assistant. Mm-hmm. Wow, you're really showing <laughs> your age, Norman. 
I know, right? <laughs> so I have to dye my hair. Um, but yes, it's a real working number. If you haven't called it, it's a nice, inter- interesting little interactive Easter egg. And go get the number and please call it because it's fun. Thank you so much for that, Holly. We look forward to seeing you this weekend. And it's always a pleasure to talk to you too. And I will leave this to Alan. All right. Enjoy yourself this weekend. Have a slice of Lou Malnati's for me. Oh, See you guys. Right. See you, buddy. It's going to snow in Chicago. Yeah, but it's Yes, it will. Snow. Yes, it will. <laughs> it's fun snow. It makes drinking all the more warmer to your body. All right. Well, I, I did pick very good cosplays in terms of keeping me warm, and I also managed to get them all to fit in my carry-ons. I'm very proud of myself. You need Spock's Delta Vega poncho. That's what you need. I'm taking a poncho with me, but it's a Borg poncho. <laughs> I want that thing, like the, the bulbous head, Han Solo, fringy kind of. Yeah, I don't have poncho. any hoods. With I don't I'm not bringing any hoods. All right. Speaking of hoods, what's happening, <laughs> Alan? I had no transition. Well, points, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, like, I guess, I, I, I guess, kind of Chicago was my not well, not my hood. I'm from Schaumburg, but I mean, <laughs> um, but you know, it's uh, you know the closest, the next best thing. So you're a me. Midwestern kind of guy, you know. You kind of oh like, yeah, you know, long you know eyes and the, the way they talk, you know, in the Great yeah. Lakes region. Absolutely. You know, there's, uh, you know, you got one, you know, couple, two, three reasons to go to Chicago. Yeah. Star Trek is one of them. That's right. You got the pizza. Although, you know, yeah, I I, I hear there's plans for some lose. Uh, (sighs) Make sure you got like a bunch of guys to go there with you because otherwise. The collective cholesterol like level bump is going to be. Triple digits. Oh my god! Quadruple digits. <laughs> yes, and I'm they so got... jealous. I'm not going to be there for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like this is this is my you know <laughs> surrogate home, and and I I think I'm uh, I, I think I may not make it either because I've got other things going on. But uh, but yeah, um, yeah, lose with the wheel of sausage on the pizza. Gotta love it. I know the sausage is good. Mm. The sausage is good. Uh, I, you were there for some of the conversation that we're having yes. with Paul, and uh, I could tell, like, with a raised eyebrow or a crooked eyebrow, every once in a while, that you had a couple things to say. Well, yeah, I mean, first of all, yeah, the whole Q situation—I it honestly had not occurred to me that this was not possibly the Q that we know, and uh, that's that's adding a, a whole nother wrinkle into all of this um, uh, because. You know, that's it's weird that like Guinan can tell when the timeline's messed up. Mm-hmm. The the Borg are apparently like uh Venom where they can just see throughout the multiverse. Well, wow, that's a crossover. And, yes, right. I know. <laughs> yeah. Didn't know either of those things were possible until this year, but <laughs> or the last uh, the last six months, but apparently so. Um and uh but but Q is stuck to whatever, uh, possibly stuck to whatever reality he's in. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what that's what that says. Um, this this was sort of this sort of felt like a transitional episode for me because it felt mm-hmm. like we're wrapping up some some of the stuff. Like you know, obviously we're at least for now moving on from any commentary about ice and all of that stuff, and then we're getting back into the deep. Star Trek lore with the Gary Seven assignment Earth references that you guys have been talking about. All the Soons, you know, <laughs> all so the many Soons. There's all so my, many of them. All my Soons. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> including including uh, young Corey, who is his daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they make that very clear because she calls him dad, and then he mm-hmm. says, "Core my child." So yes, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know uh, how how biological we can say you know put that on because he a he's a geneticist and he was very cagey when she asked about it her mom so who knows? i'm thinking i'm thinking that she's some type of like genetic child yeah, yeah. that he messed up and that's why she has problems mm-hmm. that he yeah. didn't quite get right yeah and uh, apparently uh part either drow or vampire uh, based on the sun reaction. So <laughs> yeah, I was, I was hoping for sparkles. I didn't get them. So. Mm, nope. No, no, we just got screaming the sequence with those drones was pretty cool though. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, and apparently only two years away. So we've got that to look <laughs> forward to. <laughs> Tate for the win, the Kai win in chat. I haven't seen Kai win referenced in chat like ever. So well done there. Awesome. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, oh yeah. And obviously everything going on with Jurati is interesting and, you know, getting back to the, to the board queen thing, her sort of messing with Jurati and like, you're alone in every reality. That's your fate. That's, that's, that's heavy. And well, yeah, it, the head games are real. You know, with yeah. And it honestly, I was like, what does that remind me of? And it reminded me of a bit from one of the Star Trek novels, uh, the Q one. I think I've referenced it before for maybe for discovery, but I remember that in that book, Jack Crusher was a character in one of the timelines, but he was like the only Jack Crusher. Hmm. And it's like just the, the fact that in Star Trek, apparently certain characters are just either fated to die or be horribly lonely. <laughs> and that just does not seem fair. But Yeah, you know, I, I think that's, in, in Agnes's case, um, I, it's a really interesting, I think it's a really interesting decision for her character, but I also think that it's, it's really letting uh, um, the character, like, stretch and grow yeah. in a way that we haven't really kind of, like, like, what is she going to be? Is she going to be, she's not the action adventure you know, uh, we're going to go off and save Rios, you know, part of that troop. No. You know, she's obviously not in Picard's uh, story, like main storyline, because it's going to be him interacting with all of kind of like the, the reference characters like Q, like Guinan, like, you know, Laris or, or Talon. Uh, so where does she really fit in? She doesn't like, I, I think it's an interesting thing that she actually really doesn't fit into any of those, those, you know, away teams mm-hmm. uh, she's really good at what she's really good at yeah. unfortunately what she's really good at requires a lot of solitude i guess you know um much like say like sung i think sung is a solitary character you know he's he doesn't but make friends easily the crazy thing to me in terms of the manip- in terms of the manipulation right is that it seems to me that like agnes d- never really outwardly shows She's made some comments to herself under her breath, but she's not, she doesn't seem unhappy to me for the most part. She doesn't seem like the solitude bothers her a lot. It's almost as if the board queen is trying to convince her that she should be upset about it. It's a little gaslighty. Yeah, I I can go with that. And, you know, first of all, that is a lovely party that they, that they got her into. So, I mean, that's, that's something. And, you know, 
she didn't get to stay long, but I, I agree with Paul. She looked great. This is the person who is wondering what pretty people do at parties. Well, there you go. <laughs> you know, I'm, uh, it's almost kind of like she has like that confidence boost when you have that uh, alter ego yeah, working yeah. with you. Because obviously her alter ego is sitting next to her at the end of this episode. It's because she's, she's a, a little, Holly. A little board queen on the shoulder. Mm-hmm. I'm just, right. I'm, I'm just going to talk about the fact that her name she is Holly. Yeah. She has a little angel and a little devil. They both <laughs> yeah. like, like Holly on one side, the board queen on the other side. Do, do we know where that party is being held? Uh, like, did they say production wise? I don't know. Uh, no, I mean, like in the story in Canon. No, yeah. she just said somewhere in LA. Oh yeah. Because here I, I realized something this week and I think, and Holly, I think you might get a, a, a special kick out of this, but it would really be a shame if they've taken JLP back to Southern California and didn't take him to the JPL. <laughs> hey, all right. I'm going to cut you off right there. <laughs> Because I don't think you can get any better than that, honestly. That was a great. Let's end on that. There we one. go. Um, Alan, thanks so much for your call, buddy. Uh, thanks, guys. Have, have fun uh, in Chicago, those who are going. And uh, we'll probably see you next week. Yeah, right. I will be back on the air like almost immediately after I land. Awesome. Well, have a good one. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Alan. Take care, buddy. Yeah. Good night. All right. Okay. And Cherie. Mom. Cherie. Hey. Hello. Uh, hey, look, you brought the board babies in out. the board, we a board yeah. babies reference. The board baby. <laughs> you win. That's so good. So this episode, pretty big, huh? Lots to yeah. say. Yeah. Just overall, I, you know, because we, we've all noted that that time travel is, is very headache inducing. But um, just the timeline in general, um, I've been thinking about and not even just for Picard, but just for all of Star Trek in general. Uh, do we think that this is our timeline or do we think that this is an alternate timeline from our own? This is we are they are currently in the past of the Confederation timelines or the, they're not in the past of the Federation. Mm, well, aren't the, but I mean, the whole point, though, was they were supposed to go back to the point where the thing happened that changed it because otherwise they wouldn't be able to stop it. So, right, because that change right now is set. It's it's set in motion, and it's going to happen, and that's what led to the confederation. So they're trying to stop that change, but it's a separate. It's se- are, are you asking? Well, if, this is the way the t- that timelines diverge, though. So they're at they're at pre timeline divergence. No, no, but that's not that's not the. You're thinking of the same way the Kelvin universe happened, where there was a divergence and there was an offshoot, and that's the timeline that we were in the Kelvin timeline, but. They jumped from the Federation timeline to the Confederation timeline, and then they went back in time from there. That change already happens, and they saw the future. They've made several comments about the future that we saw. This is where it starts. Like, it's already set in motion. So unless they make that change, it goes into the Confederation. So are you, are you, Sherry, are you asking if, if, you're, if the timeline is like the time that we're living in right now? Yeah, that's actually more what I was asking, though. Mm-hmm. Like that, that, that whole mind bendy thing aside, um, like say for um, instance, like, like, like you and I Star Trek basically, because it doesn't like they've retconned the timeline many times because of right. things, um, having to match up and not matching up. Um, cause obviously the eugenics wards doesn't happen in the nineties anymore because they can't, um, right. right. <laughs> but, um, just beyond retconning it, like, 
do we think that the writers have always intended it for it to be our world? Like our world, just as if our world went into the future? Or is this a parallel universe from our world that's very much like our world? See, so but I've always not. Yeah, I mean, I've always believed like the, the Star Trek of, say, let's go back at the very beginning so we can keep the slate clean. I always believed that the Star Trek of 1966, that that storyline when it started was supposed to be the future, our future, our, our, our direct future. Whether that's the case or not, I don't know, but that's what I've always believed. I've always believed that it's been kind of like an extension of, you know, since obviously they couldn't project the future, then, you know, the eugenics wars of the 1990s would have been that 1960s timeline, you know, so the timeline of the, uh, the, the Bay of Pigs, the Martin Luther King assassination, the Kennedy assassination, you know, um, Star Wars in 1977, uh, you know, everything that happened in like, you know, the, the 80s, all that stuff led into the eugenics wars of that of the of our actual real world timeline. Obviously, you're right. That didn't happen because in the 1990s, you know, we didn't get eugenics wars. You know, we got basically the, the pop culture. We had we had the pop wars. We had boys to men versus Backstreet Boys versus NSYNC. Right? NSYNC so, won. Yeah, NSYNC totally won. I don't care Thank what you. anyone said. NSYNC totally won. So somebody is asking in chat about World War Three, too, because, right, we've never seen we know that World War Three happens in the Star Trek timeline and we know what years it's happened, but like it's never been fleshed out. Uh, Carlos is asking, didn't World War Three happen in 1999? No, it starts in 2026 and it ends in 2053. So, yeah, so all that the timeline up until basically up until. jj's you know 2009 you know when the narada came and destroyed the kelvin that Mm. was our timeline that's that's from what i understand so i could be completely wrong i'm not yeah no no no. that's yeah and every single baddie baddie in the kelvin universe all of them uh, all of them came from the prime timeline right so yeah so up until that point so like when we're watching picard everything that's happening in picard up until they are in the confederation from what I believe is still our timeline. It's still the Hobus timeline before Spock goes back in time, before the Narada goes back in time to chase Spock. That's still the main timeline, the IE quote unquote prime timeline. And then the Confederation is part of that askew prime timeline. So yeah, I, so if for, for all intents and purposes, you and I could have been traveling on like the 405 or the 605 North headed towards outside of Los Angeles and some ice bus that was carrying Rios and all those prisoners would have crossed our paths somewhere. And then we would have seen, you know, we would have seen two incredibly amazing women, like bust that prison bus down and save a bunch of people. And we'd be like all like, you know, taking video of it and uploading it to TikTok right now. So. Or we could have been on the bus with the boombox. Totally. Right. Right. Cause I like that music too. You know, I like that song, right? Um, you know, he wrote that and recorded it. Yeah, that was his. That. Yeah, 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 that's Kirk. That's funny. He's got Kirk, some good claim Kirk to the fame, actor, man. not Kirk the character. That guy. He's got a good claim to fame in Trek. Good for him. <laughs> right. Um, one last thing there, Sherry. Before we have to let you go, you have anything else uh, you'd like to say oh, about the episode? Um, uh, I, I would like to say that I, I hope there. We're not yet sure where they're gonna, what direction they're gonna go in with, um, like uh, the board queen being in Trotty's head, 
but I really hope they don't make her a sleeper agent again, because then that will be the second time because she was a sleeper agent in the first mm-hmm. season. And if they do it again, it's just kind of like what they always do to her. Right. I'd rather that not be the case. Yeah. I mean, I know the stakes would be terrible if she actually had to do, to basically, you know, evolve into the board queen to have that knowledge to plug into La Serena to get them back home and to make that sacrifice. But maybe that's the arc of her character. I don't know. But if the arc is going to be true and be sacrificial and mean something, they really have to go all the way. Or you're right, it would just be another tropish, you know, uh, arc for that character. That's again too similar to what happened in season one, which be like eh, disappointing. I think because I actually start to like. I, I didn't actually care for her character very much in season one, but I actually started to like it in season two. But if they make her like a sleeper agent again, that's going to make me really annoyed. So I hope that's yeah. not the case. But I do really like the Borg Queen and I like Agnes. So I hope their characters have a good ending. We'll see what happens. Okay. (laughs) All right. Thanks for calling in, Sherry. Appreciate it. Good to see you again. Bye. Bye. Uh, We have one last caller for tonight. Closing out the show, we have Valeria. It's been a while, Valeria. Nice to see you. Uh, Valeria, turn your microphone on. Joe on True, y'all. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So. I do want to chime in one quick thing about eugenics wars before getting into what I was calling about uh, just following up there. Um, It's very much, so they never explicitly mentioned the eugenics wars, but um, all of the moral outrage of that little panel that Soong was talking to Mm -hmm. very much like constantly alludes to the eugenics wars having happened. Right. So I think we can safely put that still in the 90s. Uh, Yeah. And on that note, very quickly, there's a nice Easter egg there, too, next to Leia Thompson's character on he I think he's a vice chairman of the board. His name is Vasily Roshenko. Roshenko. Yeah. Perhaps he is related to Worf's adopted. Yes. I was trying to think where I remember the name Roshenko from when I saw that. Worf's Worf's adopted Earth family. Yep. 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 Those are Jankos. But, okay, so... <laughs> we've still yet to see if my Kovic-Gary7 connection prediction comes true in future seasons of Discovery. <gasps> but I did bring up Gary7. <laughs> yeah, you did. And here we are. Here we are. <laughs> Would you be excited to see an Assignment Earth spin-off show? Um... Yes. Um, honestly, with uh, Picard being already confirmed to end at season three mm-hmm. uh, and that that has been the plan, I am one of the big things I'm looking for in Picard is spinoff potentials. And I would absolutely love a <laughs> love a Operation Earth. Yeah, you know? I mean, th- there's uh, a possibility for sure. Pike show 50 years. Pike show style 50 years later pickup. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, we've got a supervisor and we're trying to make a uh, rocket launch happen to save the future. Hello, Operation Earth. <laughs> I, I know it's it's kind of you don't want the references, you know, and uh, these to be so on the nose, but they are. OK, no, like no. Uh, intertext is my favorite l- lens of analysis. And so like 
the way that season one was just constant what are little girls made of all the way yeah, up and no, down totally. mm-hmm. right uh just was part of what i loved about season one and so now seeing oh oh this is operation earth i was i, I was out over here ready for like city on the edge of forever but y'all are going for <laughs> operation earth just i know it's kind of like a little like it's like coming out of the side pocket you're like what <laughs> you know, like, yeah the references no, like, are so strong so there are two things that I want to see in the back half of this season. One, a cat that turns into a person. <laughs> I had that in my notes. Right. I was like, why does Talon us- look like she's got to be Isis, right? Give us the Isis content. Give us the Isis content. That's that's all that's all we want. Well, she has I- to be a shapeshifter. It's not a coincidence that she looks like. It like Laris? Yeah, it can't be a coincidence that she looks like Laris. Um, we've been getting a lot of coincidences with people in this people in 2024 looking like people that we know. Yeah. From where we came from. So I don't know where that thread is gonna go. I'm curious about it, but I don't have enough to work with it yet. I'd love well, to see, like, um, in chat, you know, uh, I'd love to hear everyone's predictions on who they'd like to cast for if they do go with a Gary Seven character. You know, or if we're going to stick with mm-hmm. Talon. Because, <gasps> yeah, no. it's grudge. <laughs> uh, okay. But the other thing that I really want to see in the back half of the season is I want them to say the words temporal Cold War. Ooh. Oh. Where we have Talon specifically watching a thread to make sure it doesn't get manipulated. Um, I was upset that Enterprise went to Ryza without retconning Captain's Holiday into the Temporal Cold War. I have a list of episodes that reference the 22nd century that I wish that Enterprise would have retconned into the Temporal Cold War. I love the Temporal Cold War with a deep and burning passion. (laughs) And so I just want them to say the words Temporal Cold War. It would be cool if like someone like comes through a portal and says like, you know, what's your name? My name is Daniels. I'd lose my mind. Oh my God. I would lose my mind if we saw Daniels. (laughs) Yeah. Lose my mind. Uh, Yeah. No. Um, I, I really wanted an episode where we where Archer gets uh, opposing missions from the 27th and 31st centuries via Braxton and Daniels. Uh, That'd be great. Like, I just I want I want this to pick up the temporal Cold War referencing thread that we got the little crumb of in season three of disco mm-hmm. give it to us here and then give us a temporal cold war show that's all i want you know what anything's possible i mean we're <laughs> but it would be great to like get some of that like back in the history where you mm-hmm. know if, if, if they're going to be a lot of people like a lot of references popping in and out of previous timelines of star trek then you can have this as kind of like you can create like an anthology show with the temporal cold war as kind of like being the spine of the show. Oh yes. Uh, one of my, a thought that I've had on that is every season, uh, each season follow a different faction in the temporal cold war. And so 
then we get and over the course of the show we'll have some of the same same scenes pop up again but with different sets of information from the perspective of this other faction that we're following this season. Oh my it, God. I'd have to keep a notebook. It would be super <laughs> cool though. Like think about it this way. Like, you know, in, in men in black, you know, the whole thing, the chase for the, uh, the marble or the galaxy, the Orion's galaxy is in Orion's belt. You know, the galaxy is in Orion's belt and it's just basically a marble to these superpowers, mm-hmm. but like to like, uh, again, everything's in just direction, dimensions of scale. You know, it was just a, it, it was the most powerful thing on earth, but it was just a child's thing, you know, into the, mm-hmm. in the right hands. So what if the temporal cold war is basically um, all of these superpowers, the Q, you know, the prophets and, you know, the supervisors, they're all of these massive powers playing this temporal game, you know, just kind of like the gods of Olympus, like uh, manipulating the mortals on earth you know, for, for whatever reason, maybe just for their own entertainment. It's, I mean, huge. it's so big. They've all got their own motives. They, what are, every faction has their own motives. Are they all Trelane now? Just <laughs> children? Well, that's kind of like what they did with Trelane. Like, like Trelane, yeah, maybe. Again, Trelane like is every- just, a, just a child with a magnifying glass. Right. And we're ants. But that's everything... You know, the, the everything just increases, you know, it, it just in terms of the scale and the power and the, you know, relativity of life form to life form to from, you know, the inner, the inner space to the outer space. Right. So that's mm-hmm. so meta. That's so meta. Huh. Yeah. No, the, the angle I'm more interested in is small guys, uh, s- small powers with big hubris playing around with time travel. That, that's the angle I'm more interested in. It's also very cool. Um, we have time for just like one last thing, Valeria, and uh, we're going to have to uh, let you go. Um, absolutely adore Allison Pill and everything that, she, that she's doing this season and loving Seven and Rafi. Um, sure. just, just a great season so far. Uh, you know, except for that first episode. We don't talk about the first episode of this season. <laughs> Otherwise, it's great. <laughs> Yeah, it's been a, it's been a fun ride so far, and it, it definitely uh, kind of leaves us hanging, and probably like uh, ends up asking more questions than answering them. But that's not a bad thing until everything wraps up, right? So, Fine. yeah, I guess uh, everything. Stay tuned. Hopefully, you get your uh, get some of your wishes fulfilled. You know, with um, assignment Earth, and we'll see where that goes. But gosh, a lot of it's kind of like shaking the eight ball. A lot of it points to yes, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, nice to see you. Thanks for calling in. Uh, absolutely appreciate it uh well that wraps up the uh the show for tonight folks um just a little fun fact that tomorrow april 5th is going to be the premiere the release of the much anticipated remaster on paramount plus of star trek the motion picture so if you haven't seen it yet this might be the best way to actually watch it it will be very pretty and you can watch it on first contact day and if uh, you're lucky enough to have a Fathom event in your area, look for your Fathom event because I'm sure that this is something that you don't want to miss on the big screen. That is an absolute truth. I love seeing like these remastered films on the big screen. It's like seeing it all over again. Like when I went to go see Wrath of Khan uh, for its 40th. Um, but that's pretty much it, Holly. Uh, any, last, any last remarks? Any last wishes? Any last uh, predictions? Comments? Uh, questions? Concerns? I might have a new prediction based on the fact that World War Three got that mentioned <laughs> world war three is was it was genetic manipulation and human genome enhancement and that's what caused it and then you know like six million people died or something 
<sighs> yeah, uh, that's well, that was all referenced in a way. I guess I mean, we could look at the specifics. That was all no, in space. I'm suit, trying right? to unravel it in my brain. Did like Adam soon cause that? And do we need him to cause that? So those six million people die, which will lead to the Federation. Like this terrible thing has to happen because World War Three for 10 years afterwards. Like all of that led up to first contact, which was literally exactly 10 years later in 2063. Anyways, right. I don't know. My brain just started going everywhere. No, <laughs> we I, mentioned I mean, World War Three. There was a great question that was asked us. I think it was in our Discord uh, when somebody asked, do we have to endure the darkness before we get to the dawn of Star yes. Trek? Is that something we have to have? have World, to do that? World War Three has to happen in order for first contact to happen. And first contact has to happen in order for the Federation to be a thing. No, I mean, we're talking about in real life, in real time. Like, oh, yes. do we have, does humanity have to suffer that kind of catastrophe in order for us to be able to fight for a better future? Yes, because we have to learn. That's how you that's how we as a species learn. That's how an individual person also learns. Perhaps. That's just a question. I, I have no real stake in that answer. I have very strong feelings about it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we, can all, we can always talk about that on our Discord. So visit uh, patreon.com slash mission log. Visit us for uh, and, and join our Discord for as little as $1 a month. You can have these kind of conversations with me, with Holly there. But anyway, until next show, thank you everyone for showing up. Thank you for spending your time with us your Monday night. And uh, that's it. So Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Technical production on Mission Log and Mission Log Live. Watched over by our supervisor, Earl Green. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from Roddenberry podcasts. If you would like to support Mission Log directly, give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log. Special thanks to Holly, uh, who, who has dropped some very amazing nuggets of trivia and some also leaving us with some fantastic things to think about uh, and chew over like uh, the deliciousness that is vegan bacon. Thank you to everyone who joined us live or later. And we look forward to reviewing the next episode of Star Trek Picard Season 2 on Mission Log Live with you next week. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.